Our first reading this morning can be found on page 178 of your Pew Bibles. It's from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. This entire commandment that I command you today, you must diligently observe so that you may live and increase and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The clothes on your back did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a parent disciplines a child, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And the second reading is on page 105 of the New Testament. Sorry. John chapter 6 beginning at verse 30. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And finally, on page 218, from Thessalonians chapter 1, we always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers constantly remembering before God, our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Rosemary. Um.
What keeps you going? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. What keeps you going? This is what came to me um, when I needed to know what to speak about this morning. And this isn't uh, to do with Grace Trust as such. I feel that this is for each and every person in here today. And I entitled it, What Keeps You Going? Is it something you ever wonder about? Or do you just keep going without thinking about it? Did you just come this morning because it's Sunday? You have a certain time, probably had a little bit of a lie-in this morning compared to normal, certainly longer than you'll have tomorrow. And you're all in here. But what keeps us going? The drive to keep our act together. To not give in. To not give up. We work a lot with people who find it very, very easy to give in. One slightest thing can bring them back. Three, three months. We know an individual last week was affected by something that, ha- something that happened to somebody else. And his reason for, for, for ending up back on the street was because this is what had happened. And he back into that cycle again. Very, very easy to say, I couldn't, couldn't quite make it. But very, very easy as well to, to just slip back. Because when you can't cope, you go back to that thing, which, which is your comfort. You go back to that thing which you recognize. Can we love above the hurt that people that we endure? The vast majority of folk that we will meet, there will be some form of loss, some form of disrupted relationship if you trace things back. We see it loads and loads. We had a lady come to us this week who a year ago, even... Even before a year ago, even last this early December, if you were to say to her that she will probably be walking down Lewis Street, going to a food bank, she would say, absolutely no way. I don't even know where it is. This week she found out. And we were just like, made it as easy as possible for her to, to just feel, you know, some love, if you like. No social security numbers, no references, no whatever. Just for her to come on in at this time of real desperate need and have a couple of guys who can say, yeah, we can help you out. Because that's all she needs. She doesn't need nothing else. Her life is in turmoil. What keeps her going? You hear the phrase, you know, to be a born-again Christian. Anything's better than being a yawn-again Christian, isn't it? Because I need to be born again, and I need to live born again. Not be burdened and worn out by all of the things that you commit yourself to, or the things that you feel obligated to do. Because I'm the one who can do it, and if I don't do it, nobody else will. And it's very, very easy to slip into this, this cycle of whereby you think you are the one that's keeping everything together. But what's keeping you going? What's keeping you going? I don't mean the person in front of you or behind you, but you yourself. Why are you here? What is it that compelled you this morning to come along? It's fair to say that no one knows what you may be going through. But it is true to say as well that if there is a God, he does know. He does know. He has to know. He has to know. 
We look at that Old Testament reading of Israel in the wilderness where he provided for them manna. And the root of it is, is what is it? That's what the word means. It's like, what is this stuff? It wasn't anything that they could go back to that they could say, well, we know all about this. This is what happened to, to our forefathers years ago. We've seen this before. It was fresh. It was brand new. What they didn't realize was this was going to be 40 years of Cordon Bleu. <laughs> you know, 40 years of living on the same thing, day after day after day. Not in a brilliant experience either. In a wilderness experience, God was able to provide what was right, what sustained them, what would keep them going. Because that was his plan for them and his purpose to discipline them and to humble them. Ah, that great, stunning. it? You don't need humbling, do you? Or do you? I think we all need a little bit of humbling in our lives. I need it for sure. What is it? What is it that kept them going? It was fresh, it was brand new, and on they went. The uniqueness of this has not changed. This same God is still providing for people today. And it was specific for their journey. And what God can provide for you is specific for you as well. You know yourself that before you came in that door, you have your own identity. And when you walk out of that door into your week, which probably begins as soon as you walk out of there, not tomorrow morning. You maintain that identity and it's that relationship with God that will keep you going, that will sustain you. You are unique. And God's people always were. And his way of providing for them was unique as well. You could almost call it bespoke, couldn't you? I'd just like to read from Exodus 16.35 and it's at this stage where I take these off and I put these on. <laughs> and I know what's all that about but trust me it's just as well otherwise I'll be reading from the wrong place. Uh, Exodus 16.35 The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was a, a land that they settled that was settled and they ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Okay, so 40 years they were chewing on this stuff. Now, I'm going to go forward a little bit now. Another 40 years, and here we are. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gagal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. Oh, that tastes good, doesn't it? The manna stopped the day after. The manna stopped the day after. They ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. So surprise, surprise, God's word come true. And he kept them rolling. Jesus' time of ministry reached its crescendo, if you like, if that's what you could call it, at the time of the Passover. 
We know that Scripture was fulfilled. We know that the Passover was about the angel of death passing over then, yeah, and the blood on the doorposts while they were in Egypt, that the angel of death would pass over the Israelites. We know that. And that same blood that Jesus Christ shed for me and for you was shed on that cross. And that frees us from that angel of death. If we believe in that. If you want to go another route, if you want to try some other way, you're at liberty to do that. But that is what I believe this morning. That that blood on that cross was shed for me. There is no manner now that can come down from heaven other than me accepting that Jesus Christ has done this for me. And if that won't keep me going, I'm going to live a life of strife, of, of question, of pondering and wondering about something that God doesn't want me to ponder and wonder about. Because he has done it all for me. How do I bring that into a 2,019 years later into a situation of being able to say, this is relevant to me today. That way back there in a a trouble-torn Middle East and continues to be, that a son of a carpenter could hang on a cross then how can that possibly affect me walking down Cheapside? But it can. It can affect you walking into your corporate environment tomorrow morning, into that air of professionalism and honesty and decency that is in the financial sector. But it can influence you, and it can keep you going if you choose to. And they said to Jesus, right, okay, come on then. Our ancestors, suddenly they were happy to talk of their ancestors. At the time, they were like, what's going on? Now, they're saying, our ancestors, yeah, they had bread from heaven. They came down. What are you going to do for us? And this is what Jesus had to say. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? How many times have you heard somebody say that? Somebody say, I need something. I need to see something before I'll believe. I need to see something. And then I'll have a think about it. Yeah? And here we are. Welcome to Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. To these religious people. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you this bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. The true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In the wilderness that sometimes you can find yourself in, 
in, and it can come at different occasions, can't it? Maybe it comes for you when the office is quiet and it's changed and everybody's gone home. And you're the one sitting there because you know that I want to get this done tonight because I don't want to come in and face it tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning has got enough troubles of its own coming my way and I know that just that one 20 minutes tonight will it'll help me sleep. It'll keep me going. And then whatever comes tomorrow, I can face it. Do you ever get to that? Are you the one that says... I'll nip into the chair, I'll just check that that's okay. And then uh, there's no problem then. I don't want a phone call on Saturday night. Is that what's keeping you going? Is that what's keeping you going? I'm being really, I want to be really honest with you today. I want you to think, oh, having park like football, that's great. You know, they tell all these sad stories and, and all like that. And, you know, they lose more than they win and... I want to know what's keeping you going. What is really pumping your generator up this morning? And I want to say this, that if it ain't centred on Christ, then where is it centred? And who are you relying on? And who's keeping you rolling? Because if it's you, it's going to flounder. And eventually, it's going to stall. He didn't hang on a cross so that you could have a lot of comfort. He didn't, he didn't do that. He did that so that there could be a relationship brought back in that's going to keep you going, man. That's going to make you dig deep. That's going to do unto others. They don't deserve it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for them. And we have that thing, you know, a Grace Trust of where... Forget, forget the fact that they're this or they're that. But I would want them to walk out knowing that Vinnie and Jerry, they did their best. At that point in time, they did what they could. And you know, in your work, in your jobs, whatever it is, for that boss who doesn't appreciate you, who ridicules you in your face, do him right. Do him right. Because it's you who are going to stand before your father and say, you know what, it was that guy, it was that woman that made me in my faith. It was, they were the ones, it's not the ones who always high-five you, that's, that's Richard. It's the ones, the most best patrols we've had as a street passers have been the difficult ones, the awkward ones, where we've had to dig deep and get on that prayer phone and get into touch with the one who keeps us going. It's vital that we have this. Otherwise, we just become a club. We just become a, a circuit of something that goes round and round and round and round. And all along you're thinking, i just got to get off this because I just can't go. I'm tired of trying to be what I can't be. I'm tired of trying to be a super clean, squeaky Christian. Because it doesn't work because of the emotions and the feelings that I get. He loves that man. That's what he wants from you. That's what a father would want. When your kids say to you, Dad, you're a hypocrite because of what you just said. I've seen the way you treated Mum for the last 30 years. How dare you tell me how to live my life? Where are you going to run to then? But the Lord Jesus says, come on, we can work this out. I've been through so much for you. I've been through so much for you.
In Thessalonians, as we, we finish now, Paul speaking to the, uh, the church at Thessalonica. He had a, he had a bit of affection for them. He, he liked this, this bunch. They shouldn't have survived, but they did. They kept on rocking and rolling, man. They went for it. And he was a bit worried. Uh, was, it, was it Silas he sent up? He said, just check out, see how they are. And he came back, they're doing good, man. They're still going. It's amazing. They're a brilliant bunch. And he speaks of a work produced by faith, a labor prompted by love, and an endurance inspired by hope. All three of these are met in Christ. But my question for you today, what keeps you going today? It's easy to feel like you're on rails, but if your work is produced by fear instead of faith, your work is produced by fear of God instead of faith. Is your labor prompted by duty or love for him? Is your endurance inspired by hope in what Christ has done for you or by what you think you can do for him? We can't pay him back. And more importantly, we can't pay him off. I know a situation where somebody is in the thing of where they want to pay somebody off. They don't want any more to do with this situation, with this problem, with this person. They are going to pay him off. But you can't do that with the author and finisher of your faith. The one who took you and said, you know what, I know how you feel. I know that you grew up in a Christian family, that you can say, I've never known a day without the Lord in my life. But you knew that you had to find that for yourself. You knew that you can't follow mum and dad's footsteps forever. Mum, dad, it turns you on. It doesn't do anything for me. Where am I at? Who am I? What am I in this whole plan that you refer to as me in church and God? Where do I fit in? And all along, God is saying, son, you fit in perfectly because you're so beautiful. I made you and I gave you the best. And I know your folks weren't brilliant at this and that, but I gave you what I could. But I am here for you and I always have been. You may be in that situation this morning where you've done it. You can do it for years, man. Don't kid yourself. You can do it for years. You can just go through the motions thinking you look good in society. Everybody around you think he's great. Oh, he's okay. At least he comes to church. We see him quite often. When inside, he's, he's, he's in turmoil because he never found it for himself. And when Jesus was hanging on that cross... And he was still suffering ridicule. He's hanging on there, man. And they're still telling him to get down from there. And we maybe believe. And there's still somebody hanging in the same position, ripping into him. And it's to the one who says, just help me. He says, don't you worry. You'll be with me in paradise tonight. Is that going to keep you going? To all of the rest of the stuff. When you find that, 
when you are able to feast from this true bread, when he, if he says, I'm going to keep you going, man, we need to believe it. We really do need to believe it. And take it all. Where he spoke about communion, this isn't in my notes, but where he spoke about communion and he said, drink ye all of it. Feast on this. Take it. This is for you. Can I encourage you this morning that this is for you and this will keep you going. Don't let anybody deter you. Don't let a rotor get on top of you. Yeah? Be a born-again Christian, not a yawn-again Christian. Which one do you want to be? Which one do you want to be? We're going to sing for you now. We haven't done this very often. We've practiced it once. So <laughs> we're going to see how we go. But I better pray just after all that. And I, Heavenly Father, Lord, just, Lord, these words, these words, just take them, Lord. What's right, Lord, I just pray that you use them for your people. What's wrong, Lord, just chuck them out. But let you be glorified today as we continue to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.